Good morning. It's good to see you. Hey, if you are uh, a guest here this morning, again, we want to welcome you. We want to say thank you for coming. And I want to welcome everybody who's watching online. I know there's a lot of people who are watching. Um, and I just want to say thanks for coming. I want to say that if you're a guest and you just happen to be looking for a, a home church, I've got the perfect church. Just right after the service, if you would just go out to our guest services, we're going to give you some information about our church. It'll answer any questions you have, and then um, it'll help you make a decision. But we would love to have you right here at Central Community Church. We believe that we have a place for you. So one of the things I want to do before I get into my message this morning is, is I want to talk a little bit about what's coming up on November 18th. This is one of the biggest times of the year, not just here at Thanksgiving, but also in Christmas, when Central Community goes out into the community. And I'm telling you, our community needs us. On November 18th, we are going to hand out turkey dinners, and we still need some help. We've got a bunch of these bags that we still need to fill up. They're about $15 a bag. You can pick up a bag right after the service, and you can fill it up, and then you can bring it back, and then we'll, that's how we'll, we'll make sure that we have enough. If you want to donate your finances, you can continue to do that. We'll make sure that everything goes towards filling these bags, and that way we can make sure that everybody gets a meal. I want you to know that we believe that probably from what we're getting ready to do on Thanksgiving is that we will probably feed some 15,000 people here in Wichita. And I want to remember, okay, that's great, we're, but I want to remind you that those people are depending on us. And so we don't just need your money, we don't just need your food, we need you because you're the best part of it. We need you to come with us, to volunteer, to interact with the people, to get to know them, to tell them that Jesus loves them, to remind them about why you've got a smile on your face, but we want you to be a part of that. I promise you that you will be blessed. All right, so today, um, I'm gonna do just a standalone message, and, and I know you know what I'm gonna talk about. I'm gonna talk about the situation of what's going on in Israel, and then next week, we're gonna begin our, our Thanksgiving um, series, and it's called Thanks Living, okay? And so I promise you, you're, you're, you're gonna to wanna to be a part of this because I've got some incredible stories. I've got some individuals who are gonna help me, and you're going to be amazed as what God has been doing through their lives. But today, I wanna to talk about what's going on in Israel. Now, before I get into anything, I just want to say a couple things to you. About 11 years ago, when, when Lori and I were installed as pastors here at Central Community, I made a commitment, I made a promise. And that promise was that I would teach the truth of God's Word to the very best of my ability. And I want you to know today that that's once again what I'm going to do. I will tell you, and especially in this service, we have a lot of younger people who are in our service. I especially want to teach and preach to them today because they're some of those that are being impacted by this more than anybody else. We need to understand as Christians that we cannot be swayed. We have to stand on the truth of God's word, no matter what. And today, what I just want to do is, I just want to share with you the truth of God's word, not according to Pastor Bob, 
but according to God's word so that you can make wise decisions. Now, let me just ask you this question. How many of you remember where you were on 9-11? Just raise your hand, okay? I just want to ask this. Is there anybody that wasn't born yet when 9-11? Oh, my gosh. Man. Shoots that one out of the side. Hang with me, okay? All right. But for those of you that, that were here during 9-11, how many of you know exactly where you were when it happened? Raise your hand. I can remember the chair I was sitting in, the room I was in. I can even tell you what the weather was like on that day. That day will forever be etched in my mind. The emotions that come along with that. You remember seeing those planes one by one fly into the towers? Do you remember seeing the explosions in those towers? See, he remembers. <laughs> but don't you remember how there were people who were jumping out of the buildings on fire? There were people jumping out of the buildings because they, they didn't want to burn to death. And then do you remember what happened when those buildings came down one at a time? Oh, man, that is forever etched in my mind. But I want you to understand that on Saturday morning, October 7th, on Simkor Torah, as what they would call it in, in, in Israel, the very day that they celebrated God's word, it was a holy day, but you also need to understand it was the 50th anniversary to the day of the war of Yom Kippur. A group of 1,500 Hamas terrorists broke, broke through the security fence in 40 different places with bulldozers. They came into Israel on motorcycles, on jeeps, on paragliders, and even boats with one goal, kill and destroy. You know how we know that? Because they all wore the GoPro cams on their, on their bodies. They wanted this recorded. I'm not going to get into all of the atrocities and all of the tragedies that happened, but what I want you to know is that there was one story of a young terrorist who killed a young Jewish woman. And then he took her cell phone and he called his mom and they celebrated the fact that he had killed a Jew. That day for the Jewish people is like our 9-11. Jewish people will remember that day for the rest of their lives. And when you talk about the proportion of it compared to size of Israel compared to the United States, this day was so much worse. You know what else I remember about that day? That's the day my wife was supposed to go to Israel. Her bags were packed. It was less than two hours 
and she was going to be going with the Inspiration Cruise Lines with a, a lady on a tourist of the, a tour of the Holy, Holy Lands, and it was just a group of women. It's kind of funny because today, Lori and I were supposed to leave Fort Israel with Tony Evans to help prepare for what we're going to be doing in the spring, which now has been postponed. But you know, as I was watching the TV and as everything was taking place, I remember how, as I was looking at my wife's face, the tears that were streaming down her face because there were people in those lands that she knows, some believers, many not believers, that she calls friends. And they call Israel their home. My friends, what is it? Why is it that these terrorists hate Israel? Why is it that they hate the Jewish people so much? What is happening in Israel, and how does it impact us here today in the United States? Should we be watching? Should we be paying attention? And does it have anything to do with end times? Let me just begin with this. This is the word of God. I believe everything in it. I believe it's incapable of error. This is God's word. This is also a story about Israel. From the very beginning, when God launched his plan of redemption, he did it in Israel. Through his son, Jesus, the Savior of the world, the Messiah. And that little boy was born in Israel to a young Jewish couple. He was raised in Israel, he lived in Israel, he died, he was crucified in Israel. And he raised and was raised again in Israel. And you know what? I believe he's coming back again to Israel just as he went up, the Bible tells us. You see, ever since the beginning of time, ever since the plan of redemption was put into place, Satan has had a major problem. And what he has tried to do with all he can do is to keep the redemption of people from happening. The reason Satan hates the Jews is because those were the people that God chose to bring his Messiah through. Stand with me out of respect for God's word. As I read from Psalm 122, and I'm going to read verses 6 through 9. Here we go. 
Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord, our God, I will seek your prosperity. This is God's word for God's people. Let's pray together. Father, remind me once again today, the victory is ours through Jesus Christ, and it's in his name we pray, amen. You may be seated. So there are some questions that I want to answer today that I think that you'll be interested in kind of knowing, because what I want to do is that by the time we're done today, when you leave, I just want you to have a clear understanding of why things are happening the way they're happening. And then in addition to that, I want to share with you something that I believe could be the greatest downfall of the United States coming and may has already be taking place. The very first thing that I just want to say to you is this. According to the word of God, Israel is not dependent upon the United States. I want you to understand that even though we are an ally of the nation of Israel, Israel is not dependent upon us. What I will tell you is according to God's word, we and all nations are dependent upon Israel. And what I mean by that is this. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, God makes it very clear I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. Israel was the place that God chose to bring the Messiah. Another way of saying this is that Israel are the people that God chose to bless the rest of the world. Has Israel blessed us? Well, let's think about it. Messiah came through the Jewish people, right? The Word of God came through the Jewish people, right? And the commandments, the laws that we live by, there's just three examples of things that came from the Jewish people. You know, right now, the Israelites have not asked us to get involved with them. They've asked for some of those bunker bombs, and we've given those, but they have not asked us to join them in any way, even though we have aircraft carriers in that area. And I want to just remind you of that what matters is what the scriptures scriptures are going to teach us today, okay? So what I want to do is to kind of now set the foundation that you understand that we're not depend- that we are dependent upon them. They're not dependent on us. I want to go all the way back to the beginning, and I want to talk about something that I think you'll find very interesting. And we have to go all the way back to Genesis chapter six, verse eleven. And here it is. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and was full of violence. I want you to look at that word violence, and I want you to circle that, because that word violence is the word Hamas. In the Hebrew, Hamas means violence. 
In the Arabic, it means zeal, fervor, focused, mission-oriented. In other words, what you need to understand when it comes to Hamas, they are excited about evil. And what's the evil that they're excited about? I'll tell you. Wiping out the Jews through the destruction of Israel. Hamas is a terrorist organization, and they are made up of Sunni Islamists. It's a very radical part of Islam. But they are also backed, supported, and cheered on by the Iranians. In the Old Testament, Iran is known as Persia, and Persia has always played a very important role in an evil way when it comes to Israel. In 1997, Hamas, which is an acronym for this terrorist organization, they were listed by the UN and other nations as a terrorist organization. In 2005, Israel released the land, the Gaza Strip, to them, and they built a security fence around it to keep them out of Israel. In 2006, Hamas won a surprise election, and they took control of the entire place, or the nation of Gaza. Now, you would think that this would be the opportunity for them to help their people, to rebuild their, their economy, but they didn't. You know what they did? They built tunnels. They used all of their resources to build tunnels to collect ammunition and rockets, and that's what they've been doing since 2006. What I also need you to understand is that when you look over the world, any terrorist organization that is leading a country, the people are always starving and poor. And the reason is, is because they're using all of the funds for their project. What's their project? Kill the Jews, destroy the land of Israel, and replace it with an Islamic state. All right now, I know some of you are probably thinking, okay, Pastor Bob, we know you've heard that on the news and all that kind of stuff. No? Well, yes, I've heard it on the news, but what I want you to understand this and listen very carefully. This is in the Hamas Constitution. This is part of their mission statement. In fact, it's Article 7. And in this they say, it is our job, our mission, our desire, our meaning in life to eliminate the Jews through the destruction of Israel. That's scary stuff. It's interesting that if you were to talk to anybody from a Hamas organization or anyone that is funded or backed by Iran or any of these terrorist groups, if you would say to them, maybe we could work something out where we could give you a little land and you could have this, and they will tell you no. They want all of it. So that's where they're at. Now, now the question is, is that I know that we have to ask ourselves this, so why does Hamas, why do the Islams hate 
Israel so much? Well, that's what I want to focus on. And to do that, once again, we got to go back to the Old Testament, all the way back to the book of Genesis. This is what it says here. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who inherit my estate is Eliezer from Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited him as righteousness. All right, now you understand that at this moment, there is no such thing as a Jewish nation. There is no such thing as a Jewish people. Abram came from the land which was called Mesopotamia. He came to a land that was called Canaan, right? Canaan became the promised land. This was the land with all the ites. Remember, there was the Gergesites and the Gergesites and the Termites and, I mean, name won't there. Okay. I heard that. I stole that. But this is the land that, that he was referring to. God now comes to Abram, and what he just did is he promised Abram, through your seed, through a son from your own body, I will form a new nation. That's the promise that God just made to Abraham. All right, now watch what happens. So 10 years go by, and then look at this. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. You know, one of the things that we learn from this is that time is hard on faith. God doesn't live in time, but 10 years had passed. God gave Abram the promise, the covenant, and nothing had happened. So Sarai comes to Abram and says, I've got the perfect idea. And so what happened? Abram took Hagar, his wife's servant. He slept with her. She conceived, and she had a son. And his name was Ishmael. Now, watch this. And the angel also said, you are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has heard your cry of distress. This son of yours will be a wild man, as untamed as a wild donkey. He will raise his fist against everyone, and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all his relatives. So what you need to understand here is that the Bible is telling us that from Abram now, there are two lines of descendants 
that have now begun. One of them is through Ishmael. Ishmael is the father of the Arab people, through which one of the descendants was Muhammad. Isaac, the son of the promise, the seed of the covenant, he is the descendant of Abram, and through Isaac, we now have a brand new nation, the Jewish people, of which one of the descendants is Messiah, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Now you understand the basis for why we are where we are between the Arab nations and between the Jewish nation, between Islam and between Christianity. It all stems around animosity between the people of Ishmael and the people of Isaac. From the very beginning, these two nations have never gotten along. And Satan has hated the Jewish people and tried to keep them from coming because he knew, he knows, this is the line that the Messiah is going to come from. So the Arab people believe that the promised son is Ishmael, and Christians believe that the promised son, the seed, is through Isaac. Now remember what I said just a little bit ago. We have Abram, who was not a Jew. He was, a, he was from Mesopotamia. From his seed came Isaac. Isaac had a son named Jacob. Anybody want to remember how God changed his name from Jacob to what? Israel. It's the birth of a new nation. All right, so let's go one question further. Now we know why Hamas and everybody hates the Jews in Israel, but so why does Satan have a problem? Well, Revelation tells us this story. Look what it says here. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. Now, the dragon represents the devil. The woman is Israel. The child is Jesus Christ. Satan has always hated the Jewish people because he knew that's where Jesus would come from. All right, now, let's go to one more verse here in Deuteronomy. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. This is the language, this is the, the verse that God is using to describe his people, the Jewish people of Israel. I mean, think about it. God created the earth. The Bible tells the earth and everything that is in it belongs to him. If God created the earth, he has a right to decide who gets what land. All right, now, let's go on and now let's bring it up to today so that you can understand and we can talk a little bit about what's happening, okay? 
If you've been listening to the narrative right now, you have been told that this war is about a land that the Israelites stole from the Palestinians. That's not true. That's a lie. And if you have listened to that narrative, this is what they will show you as proof. They will show you that this is the land of Palestine. Can we raise that up a little bit? Is that possible or? This is the land of Israel and you can see, or Palestine, you can see in 1946. And you can see that all of it is green. Then you go on to the UN plan in 1947 and you can see how there's less and less of the Palestinians and more and more of Israel. And all the way to 2012, you can kind of see and understand, according to this, that this is how the Israelites stole the land of the Palestinians. And I want you to know that is false. That is not true. Here's what I mean. The Jewish people have never been occupants. That's what they're called. All of the news stations call them occupants. They have never been occupants. They are the original people in the land of Israel. Case in point. The Israelites, the Jewish people, were in the land that is now called Israel 2,100 years before anyone who was referred to as a Palestinian even lived there. In addition to that, Israel, the Jewish people, lived in that nation 2,600 years before there ever was a religion called Islam. On top of that, we have proof that in 13 BC, the nation of Egypt, which was a well-established nation there, in 13 BC, they have recorded that the land that the Hebrews, the Jewish people live in is called Israel. The Jews were never occupants. They were always the original people. Well, okay, Pastor Bob, well, then what's the big problem? Thank you for asking. That's what I'm going to address next, okay? So here's the problem. And it starts out in 586 B.C. You remember, according to Deuteronomy chapter 4, that God told the Israelites, I will be your God, but if you disobey me, then you know what? I'm going to scatter you to the ends of the earth. Everybody remember that? And the first nation that God used as his arm of discipline was the Babylonians. That happened in 586 BC. You remember, during that time, there was a group of leaders called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Part of the thing that a lot of times that kings would do in those days is they would take the best of the best citizens and they would try them, make them be whatever, whatever country they were. But from 586 BC, the Israelites were dominated by foreign world powers all the way up to 1947. So think about this. You have the Babylonians. After the Babylonians came the Persians. After the Persians came the Greeks. 
after the Greeks came the Romans, then came the Byzantines, and then came all of the Crusades, and finally Great Britain, the world power, the world power of Britain, finally controlled that land until 1947. But here's the thing that you need to remember. The Bible tells us in Deuteronomy 30, okay, again, I'm always going back to the Bible. The Bible tells us that God said, when you are dispersed all around the world, if you repent and you call upon my name, I will gather you and I will bring you back. And he even tells us where? To the promised land. Israel was never an occupant. All right, so let's dig a little bit deeper in this, okay? And you'll understand this a little bit better. We got to go all the way back to AD 135, okay? AD 135. There is a Roman emperor right then, and his name is Hadrian. Hadrian hated the Jews. Here's what happened the Jews started a revolt. And Hadrian, the Roman Empire, squashed it. And because he hated the Jews so much, this is what he did. He dispersed the Jews who were in Jerusalem. And then what he did, he tried to come up a way that he could hurt the Jewish people deeply. And you know what he did? He came up with a way, and here's what he did. He renamed the country Palestina. Obviously, you can all understand where they got the name Palestine, right? That's in 135 AD. Now, what you need to understand is this. You know why he called them Palestina? Because Palestina means Philistine. And the Philistines were the arch enemy of the Israelites, right? Remember Goliath, David and Goliath. Goliath was a Philistine. Gaza means Philistine. Remember what happened down in Gaza in there? A man by the name of Samson. Remember he looked like Pastor Jordan. (laughs) And they took him into Gaza. And what did he do? He destroyed the temple because he had told them the secret to his strength. So now you understand how it is that Israel got changed to the name Palestine. What I need you to understand is this. This hurt the Jews deeply. This would be like if you go to Kansas University, they're now going to call you Kansas State University. This is like if you are a Chiefs fan, they're now called the Kansas City Raiders. You know what I mean? But all I simply need you to understand is this mocked the Jews. And that's what Hadrian wanted. He wanted to mock them. And that's how the land got to be called Palestine. All right, now, before we bring it to where we are now, let's ask this question. What was God's intention? What was God's intention for all of this? And so what I want to do is I want to go back to Genesis chapter 15, verse 18, okay? On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said to your descendants, I give this land, okay? There it is. 
from the Wadi of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates. So what happened here is God just gave the title deed to the Jewish people. And you know how much that land is? It's over 300,000 square miles. So let me show you what it looks like, okay? According to the Bible, God's word, this is the land that God gave to the Jewish people. The Jewish people have never governed this much land. What I will tell you is that the most land that they have ever governed, governed is right here, okay? So I want to just show this. See this orange part here? This orange part here, that was what Israel governed under Saul, King Saul. When you look at the blue, that's what Israel governed under King David. And when you look at the green up here, all of this land now is what was governed under King Solomon. So you can see what God intended and what the Jews actually have, the Israel actually has, is two different things. All right. So we go from, from 586 BC when the Babylonians, we go all the way to 1917. And this is when Britain was in power and they took over, and this is what it looked like. Britain made what's called the Belfort Declaration, and what they said was this, we are going to give the Jewish people back their land, and this is what they were going to give them. All right? In 1922, a man, a family man by the name of Hussein, okay, that name should ring a bell with you, it's in the line of King Abdullah, okay, Hussein, this is part of the Arab nations, they protested to Britain that the Jews should never have that much land. And our good friend Sir Winston Churchill at this time, who was the Secretary of State, made a decision. And you know what? He broke the declaration of Belfort, and here's what he did. He said, what I'm gonna do then is I'm gonna take a line and I'm gonna draw it right down the middle through the, by the Jordan River, and everything to this side is going to be the Transjordan. On the east side and everything on the west side will be Palestine. So that's how we get to this point now where this is what Israel looks like. In 1948, on May 14th, just when the Balfour Declaration was getting ready to go out, they renamed the land back to its original name, which was Israel. And the United States of America was one of the very first countries to declare and recognize Israel as a nation. Now, I just want to remind you of these words again. Those who bless you, I will bless and those who curse you, I will curse. From 1948 until President Ronald Reagan, every single president backed Israel totally. But after 1978, beginning with George H. Bush, problems started. 
And if you remember when you talk about even George H. Bush, when you think about Bill Clinton, when you think about Jimmy Carter, what did they do? Everybody wanted to dabble in the Middle East and they wanted to bring about peace. And the Bible says it will never happen. You can't make the followers of Islam to follow the Jews and vice versa. Ever since that time, the nation of the United States of America has taken a left-hand turn. Do you remember how powerful Britain was? Britain was a world power. When Sir Winston Churchill started devising and cutting away land, that was the beginning of the fall of Great Britain. And look where they are now. We should learn from that lesson, but we have not learned. All right, now, I want to go back to the scriptures for a second, and this is something that Jesus said. We're almost done here. If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. Do you understand what Jesus is saying here? The Jews right now are looking for peace. They're looking for the wrong thing. You know why? Because peace has come in the Messiah, Jesus, and they missed him. Jesus is referred to as the Prince of Peace. Less than 2% of the people in Israel are Christians. All they would have to do is to turn their heads towards Jesus, and Jesus would bring them peace But in the meantime, now watch what happens here. No longer will violence be heard in your land, nor ruin or destruction within your borders. You will call your walls, but you will call your walls salvation, and your gates will be praise. That's what will happen when they turn to peace. But in the meantime, pay attention to this next scripture. This is what the Lord said. He who appoints the sun to shine by day, who decrees the moon and stars to shine by night, who stirs up the sea so that it waves roar, the Lord Almighty is his name. Only if these decrees vanish from my sight, declares the Lord, will Israel ever cease being a nation before me. Do you understand what this verse says? God put into the sky the sun, the moon, and the stars. We have days, we have seasons, we have weeks, we have months, we have seasons, as I said, throughout, our, throughout the, the year. And here's what God says. Just like I put all that into motion, until all of that comes to an end, Israel will never cease to be a nation. I'm moving to Israel. Now, here's a good question. So what about the United States? What about us? People look at Ezekiel 38, and they say, is this a sign of the end times? Because if if you looked at anyone who talks about eschatology, there's no mention of the United States. Now, what I want you to understand real quickly is this, is that 
in Ezekiel chapter 38, when it talks about the end times, it says there will, become, there will be an attack on Israel and it'll come from the north. Well, Gaza's in the south, so that eliminates that. However, Russia and Iran are negotiating. And if those two come together and come from the north, now you better start watching. But there's also something else about this verse in the Bible because it talks about that Israel will stand by itself. Well, wait a minute. What about the United States? Right now, we're there to lend a hand anytime we, we can, anytime they need. Well, what will happen to us? Well, I don't know. Time will tell. But I will tell you what I think. This is just, again, everything that I've given you is the Word of God. This is not. This is the Word according to Bob. But just in this last week, as I've poured over everything, one of the things that I've had to ask myself is, so what will be the downfall of the United States? And everything that I've listened to and the people who have talked, the one thing that I think I can agree on is this. What our downfall is going to be is our lavish lifestyles. And what I mean by that is this. The downfall of the United States will be oil. We are negotiating oil with the Arabs. I want to go back to what Genesis 12 said. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. You know what the downfall of Great Britain was? They started negotiating with the Arabs, and they began to compromise, and that was their downfall. Now, whether that's going to happen, I don't know. But I encourage you to watch carefully. But I need you to understand something, and this is what I want to close with. Because of the information that I shared with you from God's Word, that's why I can say unequivocally, this church stands with Israel. But I pray for all people. And I pray that God would find a way to protect those innocent people, children, who are in harm's way. And you know what? We serve a God who we know could get that accomplished. But make no mistake about it, we must remove evil. And the reason Satan hates anyone and anything that has to do with the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but I got a problem with that. Because he's my Lord and Savior. And it's at these times that I remind Satan, you've already lost. And I've already won and that's why I want this church to continue to pour into ways that we can share the good news of Jesus Christ so they can experience the victory that we have. Amen? Would you please stand? I want to give you the benediction as you leave. And I want to remind you once again, if you have questions about 
about who this Jesus is that we're talking about. If you want to know more about salvation, we can go out to the starting point there. We've got people who are willing to talk with you, to pray with you, and to, and to answer your questions. But please, please, I'm begging you, Jesus is the Messiah. He was born in that Jewish family. He lived, he died, he rose again in Israel. And guess what? He's coming back there one day. And anyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. Receive the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, his strength, and his joy because we are victorious. God bless you. Have a great week.